Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. It's talking about Jesus. He says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So here this man has a skin disease called leprosy. And he doesn't just have leprosy. It tells us that he is full of leprosy. He doesn't just have a little bit. He doesn't have it in, on, on spots or pieces of his body, but he's full of it. Now, leprosy, if you're, if you're not aware, it was a skin disease. Um, in Leviticus, it tells us that leprosy made you unclean. Uh, leprosy was something that damaged your skin. It damaged your nerves and even your limbs and affected your eyes. Um, and it was believed to be highly contagious. And so if you had leprosy, not only did you know that you had leprosy and, and you were unclean, but this is wild. If you had leprosy, you actually had to tell people if they got close enough to you, hey, I got leprosy, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And so not only did you know that you had leprosy, but you had to make sure everybody that came in contact with you knew that you were unclean, that you had leprosy. Now, leprosy for us today is not something that we look at and say, oh, this makes me unclean. Actually, leprosy today is curable. Um, I was shocked to see how many cases there are still today of leprosy, but it's curable. It doesn't have the same stigma as, as it had in the biblical times. For us today, it's sin. Right? It's not leprosy that shows up on the external, it's, it's sin. And, and we recognize that we sometimes sin, that we're not perfect, that we do things, that we say things, that we think things that we know are not right. And we all recognize that. And some of us, what we do sometimes is when people get close enough to us, we, we don't shout out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, but we recognize our sin and we make sure we let them know that we're unclean because we see it in ourselves. And it's not just us. We, we, it's not just us in this room that recognize our sin. Romans chapter 3, let me read to you some verses. In verse 10 it says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then in verse 22 of Romans chapter 3, it says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us or what the Bible would call unclean in that sense. And Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 7, and I can so relate to this. And I know that so many of you all can, even though I know you won't say amen. And just keep looking forward. And, uh, but, but I know Romans chapter 7, let me read to you a few verses beginning in verse 15. This is Paul speaking. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now, this is Paul writing, sin that dwells within him. This is Paul. We're going to talk about Paul in just a minute, but, but, but 
This is Paul. Uh, it's always coming. This is Paul, y'all. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. You may be sitting here saying, well, pastor, you know, that's for y'all. I'm above that. I'm more spiritually mature than that. I no longer lie or cheat or steal or cuss. I'm a good Christian. But Jesus, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount took what we consider to be sin a whole different level deeper. He took it from an action level to a heart level, and he started saying things like, okay, you didn't commit adultery, but if you looked with lust, you already sinned. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, okay, you didn't kill them, but you were so angry and calling them a fool that you already sinned. So, so if you're sitting here, not like the rest of us, saying, I don't, I don't sin. This doesn't really apply to me. I'm, I'm more spiritually mature than Paul. I do the things that I want to do, and I don't do the things I don't want to do, and I get it right 99.9% of the time. And that 0.1% is not really applicable because, you know, it's me. Then, then just recognize that Jesus puts this at a heart level to say that the moment that your thoughts and your, your, your words, your actions, when you don't put them in captivity to Christ and his word, the moment that you allow them to continue the, is the moment that you've already sinned. You can't control what you think. You can't control the thoughts. But you can control what you do with them. You can accept them and allow that to fester and become sin, or you can take them into captivity and put them where they belong, outside of your mind, because they're not yours. Replace them with God's word and continue on. But all of us fall short of this glory. I think we all can relate to Paul who says, the very thing that I want to do is the thing I find myself not doing. Like, I know I shouldn't do that, and I find myself doing that. I know I should do that, and I find myself not doing it. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, we're told, meaning, meaning he's the one who, who gives the accusations and accuses the Christians. And so he reminds us time after time of the times that we make mistakes, the times that we sin, the times that we fall short, the times that we didn't do what we should have done or that we did, we did do what we shouldn't have done. He reminds us of that. And man, I, he is consistent in his job. I mean, he is constant in his job. And he continues to remind us of these things and bring these things up to us. And he gets us to a place, if we, if we allow him to, to, that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And we know that we've messed it. We know that we, we've sinned. And we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And if we ever get to the place where we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, then it becomes infinitely more difficult to believe that God, who is holy, forgives us. If I know how bad I am, how unclean I am, then, and I know that God is holy, then it's difficult to believe that a holy God would forgive an unclean Evan. But these are because of Satan's lies and what he continues to tell us and what he continues to, to bring back into our minds. In verse 13 here in Luke chapter 5, it says, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, now no one would have touched this man. No one. They wouldn't have even gotten close because leprosy was contagious. It was highly contagious. And if you touch someone who had leprosy, then you were unclean. 
You were unclean if you touched someone who had leprosy. And here's this man full of leprosy. So it's not like he's hiding it. And Jesus actually stretches his hand out and does what nobody else would do for this man. And he touches him. Nobody would, t- nobody would even think twice. Not the most spiritual. Nobody would touch this man. And Jesus stretches his hand out and touches him. See, whenever we find ourselves in those sins, the ones maybe that easily trip us up or the ones that we think are big or the ones that we know we should do better, and we, we, we allow Satan to tell us these lies and accuse us, and we start to believe it, we get to the place where we believe no one should touch us. Because this man of leprosy, he, he believed nobody should touch him. He believed what everybody else believed. That no, no, you shouldn't touch me. I have leprosy. You'll get it. You're Jesus. And when we get caught in those traps of sin, we believe that too. That's why whenever we begin to slide backwards, whenever we begin to miss it more consistently, we often don't run to church, to our Christian friends, to those brothers and sisters that'll, that'll pray for us and tell us the truth and help us. What do we do? We run away from them. Why? Because we believe, you, sh- you shouldn't touch me. I shouldn't be touched. Because if you touch me, then somehow what I have may get on you. If you touch me, if I allow you to touch me, then you'll see that I'm actually full of leprosy. I'm full of this sin. I'm full of this hypocrisy. I'm full of this gossip. I'm full of lying. I'm full of fill in the blank. So if I can just keep you far away and you can't get close enough to touch me, then you'll still think whatever. I can keep doing whatever. And, And I know that I'm not clean and so I can live my life and I can learn to deal with that and that's what so many Christians do but Jesus he doesn't allow this man of leprosy to stay at a distance and he doesn't allow this man of leprosy to stay without his touch and he reaches out and he does what nobody else would do for this man and he touches him and Jesus wants to and will do the same thing for you what I've found is the times when I don't want to pray the most It's the times that Jesus is right there and often the closest. The times when I feel the most unworthy are the times that he's reaching out and he's touching me. And he's putting his hand on my shoulder and he's saying, Evan, it's not like it looks. That's not the truth. It may be a fact, but that's not the truth. And he reaches out and he touches this man saying, I will. Now, now, let me back up and let me, let me take just a short little side journey. This man says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So, so this man, like many, not even Christians, just many today, we believe that God can do things, but we don't always believe he will do things. And so when we're speaking on specifically healing here, he's saying, if you will heal me, I know you can heal me. If you will make me clean, I know you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will. Now this answer of I will is not just a one-time answer for this man full of leprosy. This answer of I will is an eternal answer for you and for me and for this man and for every man and woman that experiences anything other than God's best. He says, I will be clean. And what he may be saying to you is, I will be clean. I will be saved. I will be restored. 
I will make you right. I will be holy. I will be righteous. He's saying, I will. And he's shearing this up. And we, could, we don't have time, but we could go through scripture after scripture that God's will for you is that you be clean, that you be holy, that you be righteous, that you be healed, that you be taken care of, that you have more than enough, that you are more than a conqueror. That is God's will, not just for this man, but for you and for me. He says, I will. And how does Jesus do this? Jesus does this and says this because he sees this man full of leprosy differently than this man sees himself. Than how he sees this man full of leprosy different than how everybody else sees this man full of leprosy. It doesn't mean that Jesus was blind to the fact that this man had leprosy. It doesn't mean that Jesus is blind to the fact that you have sin and I have sin and that we have this internal war of sin. But Jesus sees us differently than we often see ourselves. One of the passages of scripture um, that, that, that so many people like to quote is, God sees my heart, right? Now, now God sees my heart comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16. Um, and the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on the outside. Don't look at how tall they are. Praise the Lord. I love that verse. I love it. Don't look at how tall they are. I mean, it says that, like, but, The Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. And then it says, because I have rejected him. See, if you're too tall, the look, no, 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 that's not, that's not what that means. But I do appreciate that it's not about this physical, you know, suit that we have. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And we love to say this, God sees my heart. And really what we're saying in this many times, we say this whenever our actions don't line up with God's word. And so I lied, I made a mistake, I didn't do right, and I'm like, but the Lord sees my heart, you can't judge me. Now we don't want to take that the other way, where even when we do good, the Lord sees our heart, and is it in faith, and is it according to God's word, or is it for man to see, is it for my own, we, we don't want to take it that way. We, just, we, we, we like to use this verse whenever it benefits us. But if God sees our heart, what is he looking at? What is he looking at? Now, now, if you've given your life to Christ, the scripture tells us that when we give our life to Christ, something happens in our heart. That Jesus comes to live in our heart. So when God sees our heart, he sees a place that Jesus lives. When he sees our heart, he sees Jesus. And if he's not looking on the outward appearance, but he's looking at our heart, when he sees us, he sees our heart where Jesus lives, he sees Jesus. He's not looking at you and you're tall, dark, and handsome. He's not looking at you in your faults and in your weaknesses. He's seeing your heart, and yes, your heart needs to be pure, and your heart needs to be refined, and and you need to to make sure that what you allow in your heart is guarded, and it's from God so that it'll produce out of you the, the issues of your life, but when he looks at your heart, the first thing he's seeing, he's seeing Jesus, because that's where Jesus lives, in the heart of every believer. Throughout Scripture, we see 
these examples of, of God seeing us differently than we see ourselves. You know, God sees um, Abram as the father of many nations, while Abram saw himself as a man with no kids. He, he saw Gideon as this mighty man of valor, while Gideon literally saw himself hiding in a cave from his enemies, scared. He, he sees Saul, who we talked about, as the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, while Saul sees himself on this mission to go and capture and kill Christians. God sees you differently than you see yourself. Because we often see ourselves not just as our mistakes, but as this culmination of, of our mistakes and our successes and how they all come together. And, and depending on how big your faults have been or how big your wins have been, we see ourselves as this combination. But in Psalms 103, stanza 10, it tells us this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty far. I can't wrap my mind around how far it is from the east to the west, but however far it is, it's far enough away where you can't see it, where it doesn't apply to you, it's not affecting you, and you are made new. We, we read earlier in Romans 3 and 7, and if you're new here, you're probably like, man, this is a depressing church. Like, we read all those verses about how no one is righteous and we all fall short of the glory. Man, I was hoping you were going to inspire me today. I thought that was the good news. But none is righteous and we all fall short of the glory of God. Well, let me read to you the verse that follows right after that in Romans 3.24. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, no one is righteous. We all fall short of the glory of God, but we are then justified as a gift. It is a gift. It is not because you are so fresh and so clean, but God makes you so fresh and so clean. God cleans you, and he cleanses you, and he makes you right as a gift of grace. We also read the things I don't want to do or the things I do and things I do want to do, I don't do. And Paul walks us through all that. But then immediately after that in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So no, I don't do it right every time. I miss it at times. But there is no condemnation because I'm in Christ. Because when God sees me, he sees my heart, and in my heart is Christ. And in that, there is forgiveness, and there is restoration. There is no condemnation. That is a mistake I made. That is not who I am. And if you are in Christ, if we are in Christ, then what does that mean to be in Christ? In Christ, there is no sin. In Christ, it is holy because Christ is holy. In Christ, it is righteous because he is righteous. In Christ, it is so fresh and so clean that Eddie and his wife, like their, their, their little get up doesn't do justice to how amazing we look because Christ is in us. How clean we look and how sharp we look, how well we dress up on the inside because of Christ being in us. 
Jesus was tempted in every way but was without sin. And if he was without sin and, and overcome every one of those temptations and he lives on the inside of you and God sees him in you, you think God's looking at your sin, but God's looking at your Savior. Jesus was righteous. He was right with God. So much so that he prayed that we would all be just as right with God and connected with God and unified with God as him and the Father. And if he's right with God, guess who else is right with God? Because he's in you. Jesus was holy. And we're told to be holy and to live holy. And when God sees us, he sees someone who is holy. Not because you've gotten it right, but because Jesus lives on the inside of you. And he's seeing your heart where that holy one lives. God talks a lot about what we wear throughout the scriptures. It tells us to put on the full armor of God. He tells us to put on Christ, to put on our new self. The story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son comes back, which is a story of us coming back to God, he not only gives him a ring, but he gives him a robe. The clothing is significant. Whenever, whenever, um, whenever David was going to go fight Goliath, Saul wanted him to put on his own armor, the clothing that he was going to wear, but David recognized that that wasn't his. He couldn't put on just anything and so he, he, he rejected Saul's armor. And we're told to put on Christ. And we put on Christ. Now all of a sudden what God sees in our heart on the inside of Jesus, we have the ability to show to those on the outside. So while God makes us clean, we are clean. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're in Christ, then you are so clean. You are clean, and this may be hard for you to believe because you've beat yourself up, and you know every mistake that you've made, and you know that you made mistakes this very week that you chose to make, and you knew they were wrong when you made them, and you came in here today just praying that God would give you some relief of this weight that you feel, and God is telling you, that's not you. That doesn't define you. That's not who you are. You are his son, his daughter. You are clean. You are cleansed. Your sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. In Isaiah chapter 1, it says that it is washed white as snow. It is cleansed. But when you allow what God sees on the inside to come out the outside, now you become so fresh too. Now, now you can put on those good clothes not, not physically, you don't have to put on, you don't have to be as sharp as, as Eddie and Alethea, but, 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 but spiritually, you can, you can show what's on the inside on the outside. And people will see that and they will see God in you. And they will see God coming through you. And you may have great clothes, you may not have great clothes. You may think you have great clothes and everybody else thinks you don't have great clothes. You know, I feel like style recently has changed, like in the last five years or so. And I see people who, um, I'm like in the middle. I'm trying, but some of it is really hard. And like, you know, here, 
You know what I appreciated about when I grew up, what was cool to wear? Like when I grew up, and a lot of y'all, some of y'all, like it was baggy, right? So if you had a six-pack or not, you still look cool. Now, today, I put this shirt on and I was like, <laughs> like now today, to look cool in the style today, like you, you got to be kind of in shape a little bit or just confident and just wear your stuff. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about, but like, man, everything's tight and like, You, you may think that you, what you're wearing is cool and looks cool, and you may think you look so fresh. You wear that. You own that. You're making it fresh, but everybody else may not see it that way. But no matter what the physical looks like, this is not about the physical. This is about the spiritual, the, the internal. If you can allow what God is doing on the inside of you to come out, then it doesn't matter how cool you think you look or how cool somebody else thinks you look, you will be so fresh because if nothing else, you'll be a spiritual uh, breath of fresh air to somebody. You, you, will be, you will be fresh in the sense of they will look to you and they will see what you have, not on but in, and they will say, man, that is what I want. That is what I need. I need a connection with an almighty God like that. I need to be able to live that way. I need to be able to believe God that way. I need to be able to see God move in my life like they do in your life. And God is the one who will make us so fresh and so clean. We have a lot more to talk about this in the coming weeks. This is just an intro, but I want to challenge you this week to, to change your thinking, to make sure that in your mind that you do not lose sight of the fact that God has saved you. If you are in Christ, then Christ is in you. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see you full of your sin. He sees you full of Jesus. He doesn't see you as one who keeps messing up over and over and just can't get it right. He sees you as one that he was willing to send his son to die and pay the ultimate price that he may be with you and never leave you and never turn his back on you. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.